I'm on the Soul Man, the first TV show I told you I was working on, right? Mm -hmm. They have this part. Now I always want, I always was clear with them. I was like, hey, I want to be on the show too. I'm a comedian and an actor. I write the part. I write the scene for that part. I write it. They make me audition for it. I don't get it. <laughs> Jay Phillips gets it. <laughs> All right, uh, here we we are uh, during the strike. Some people ain't got nothing to do. You know, they're just hanging out at home. It was like, yo, you know what? Let's catch up with Michael Yo. And because I know he ain't doing nothing either. It's Malik S. What's up, brother? What up, man? What How up, you been? Uh, I'm good, man. I mean, considering I'm good. Everything's good, you know. So I know you're a stand-up comedian. We'll get into that. But right. you're also a great writer. So right. so being a writer during this strike, what do you do? I mean, like, what are you doing with the day? Well, at first it was fun. It was like, oh, yeah, I get to be home and relax. Now it's like, all right, damn. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> like, I need some money. All right. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's a lot of withdrawals and no deposit. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's like, damn. So, but um, I mean, still, everything's good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Wealth, I'm healthy. So, hey, man, you know, what's going to be is going to be. It'll pass, I hope. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, it, it, it will eventually have to pass. But right. I say this, man, it looks like it's a long haul, man. This is the rumor I'm hearing. I'm Because I, I, I was talking to this big director the other day. Mm -hmm. And he says, here's what's going to happen. He goes, put money on this. And I go, I hope it doesn't happen this way. Right. He thinks it's going to go all the way right before December 15th when people break. And then they're going to strike a deal before the 15th and say, all right, we want everybody working in January. Because he says all these streamers get to clear their books with not spending money for the rest of the year. Right. They all hit their bonuses. They all way over. And then they, they're like, in January, we'll pick it up. That could be... That sounds plausible, man. I mean, yeah. it's crazy. The only hope to this is that I don't want to speak to industry, but like yeah. the networks. Really, it's only two networks now. It's it's yeah. it's four, but it's really two because ABC owns Fox. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But really, CBS and NBC at some point, I hope, decides and realizes the other people don't have their best interests. And they decide to break off and be like, I don't know if they legally can. It yeah. Might be, I don't know. Cause I, I, I'm, I'm feeling like they might be like, we just going to make our own deal. Cause we need advertising money. The thing is the slick shit is Apple, Amazon, ABC, who owns Disney owns them. Right. And Fox. Yeah. All those people got all kind of other money. So they can go. Yeah. Whatever. We're going to ride it out. But like CBS, no, all their money is programming. Yeah, no, they need the money. So at some point, I'm hoping they realize, like, wait a minute. Are they really fighting the writers and the actors? Are they really trying to crush us at the same time? It's a win-win. Because let's say CBS does decide to ride out with them. We're going to go as long as you go. Mm -hmm. They stop going to drop. They might end up having to sell to, Fox, to, to yeah. Disney. Yep. You know what I'm yep. saying? Or... They might have to start giving back Netflix the stuff they took back from them because they were trying to do their own streaming. They might have to start licensing that back out to Netflix. You know what? I've never, I've never heard that angle, but it makes so much sense. So then Netflix wins. So it's like at some point you got to because remember they they represented by the APTMP whatever it's called. Yeah, but they're not really a real group. Everybody still got their own interests within yeah. that. So you got to ask yourself, like, okay, hold on. You know, Netflix got me. They the top dog as far as subscribers. So they yeah. probably can't hold out. Disney got all this other money. They got they Mickey got Mouse money. You can't mess with Disney. Yeah. Apple don't give a fuck about no streaming. iPhone selling like crazy. They don't care nothing about their streaming. <laughs> Amazon don't care nothing about their streaming. Packages at your house. So you got to understand, like, okay, what are we really doing here? Because this is how we really make our money. We don't make our money, you know, it should be like me and you. 
Yeah. If it was pure stand-ups, we didn't do nothing else. And then it's like the richest stand-up comedians just say, yeah, we should just not do stand well, this this all I got, bro. Yeah. You do mm-hmm. movies, you a producer, you got all this other stuff, but you want me not to do the only thing that I do do. Yeah. So I think CBS and NBC at one point have to realize, like, wait a minute, this might not work out in our favor in the long run. But see, here's here's a problem. And and I'm just look, after this, we'll get off of industry and I, we'll jump into your life. But the problem is there's no loyalty. And I want to say that even on our side, because let's say CBS and NBC broke it, right? right. We're going to take care of you writers and actors. But as soon as Netflix and all them back, everybody going to be selling to them. Like there's not going to be any punishment to them. You know what I mean? Like it would be amazing. Like if I was CBS and NBC and go, you know what? If we broke this just for us, they can stay in it and really supported the actors and streamers. I mean, actors and writers, right? I hope they show loyalty to us and bring all the product. It's almost like we get first look. Of everything, you know what I mean, and then well, go- that, that's a situation you probably could do that. To be honest with you, it's like even with me right now, if CBS broke out, let's just say, I don't know, let's say they had to pay big ass penalty, right? Yeah, and they came to all the people that work for them and say, "Look, we broke out. We want to get back to work, but we're gonna put all y'all on first look deals." Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What I'm gonna say? No, I'm gonna wait to not work and no. It's true. Like, you gonna you gonna be like, okay, whatever. I I cool. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah, but what first look deals take money to hold you in place, and where it's kind of like, yo, we want to get y'all to work. I don't know. It like it, that. Yeah, the whole issue is money, and it always gets in the way, but, and it's like, but but right, you. Speaking usually when you own a show or if you're right on a show, you they usually have a first look deal. No, they do. Yeah, they do. Yeah, that's true. Oh, that's true. It's, it's not nothing that's gonna. Yeah, they have that anyway. Yeah, that's true. That's you true. All mean? right, let let's talk. Uh, stop about the tr- uh, strike because people okay. in Middle America going. I don't give a damn about this. Yeah, go so ahead. Let me say this real quick, real quick. And then yeah. we'll, I feel like man, this strike could be over tonight if the top 15 box office actors and the top 10 writers got together was like, either y'all in this strike, do right by people, or we're going to start our own streaming services. Should it be over? Because they would have enough money and capital to do it, and Wall Street would back them. Why wouldn't they? Mm-hmm. If you had The Rock, Kevin, I mean, fucking all the top dogs, all yeah. the top actors. I'm talking about Malik. You know, yeah, I got you. I got you. <laughs> it'll be over. Cause yeah. like, oh shit, we're gonna lose them. They're not gonna work with us because they got their own thing now. Because getting your own streaming service, it's not like NASA. It's not like it used to be. You could yeah. mm. you know, my man Kevin on stage, he killing it. Yeah. Just a regular guy. I know oh, that's amazing, but that that's the thing is that it sounds so easy, but it never happens, right? It it, it could it, it to me even if it was just a fake threat, if you just got that group yeah. together to be like, hey, this is what we're thinking about doing. If you're not gonna do right by us, we'll do right by us. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then this is like we'll star in our own movies we're starting our own tv shows we're gonna start our own project and we're gonna get anybody to come with us you know what it's like you know what it's like and i don't support this at all but you know how saudi arabia kind of invaded golf and go yo we're gonna we're gonna start we're gonna if y'all don't take care of your people we're gonna take care of them for you and we're gonna change the game right yeah but they could do it Wall now they part of it they're gonna back them up, so they're gonna be like, "Yeah, fuck it. Well, yeah, we'll give y'all two, three billion dollars. Why not?" Yeah, but man, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see, man. So Malik used to live in Miami. You know, I was a big three hundred five er from two thousand one to two thousand twelve. When did you live there? What? My whole life. I'm born and raised. Oh, okay. So I was on the radio at Y one hundred down there. What? Michael Yo, I did afternoon drive from 2000 wow. from like 2001 to 2012. So I heard you. Yeah. Oh yeah, I you heard clearly, me. I clearly remember hearing you. Yeah. 
if, if yeah, because I mean, I was there my whole life. Yeah, and so I was friends with DJ Laz and all those people and all that stuff from Power ninety six. I did a week with DJ Laz one time when they was trying to see if they wanted to put a comedian on their morning show, and it was like popping back in the day. Yeah, I did a week with him. Uh, and then, and then back in the day, Khaled was just a nighttime DJ. You remember that? Bare, barely, yeah, 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 yeah. He did yeah. nice for WEDR back in the day. Yep, ninety nine yeah. jams. Yeah, man. Yeah, I wonder what happened to Laz. I ain't heard from. Oh, he's he, on the radio. Yeah, he's uh, on Sirius XM. He's on Pitbull Station. Okay, that makes sense. You know what's crazy? First time I met Pitbull, it was he sold me a tape out the back of his trunk. Yeah, I was I was a music director at Y100, and I remember I was the second person to play a song. Laz was the first because Laz was always close with Pit. But man, and that dude's still the same. To see him blow up like that, be, become yeah. this worldwide, it's so cool. And you're in the industry too, where you get to see people that nobody knows, and then all of a sudden everybody knows. And that's pretty exactly. crazy to watch, right? Right, yeah, especially when they stay true to themselves, then it's beautiful. Yeah. Know? So like somebody like Pitbull, you like, man, that's well-deserved. And you know, he's doing good things with his fame. Yeah, he is famous, you know what I mean? So that's but I didn't. So, were you doing comedy back then? No, so I did my first set in 2012 at the old Miami Improv, and you know that club. Oh, yeah, if you yeah. didn't bring it, they would talk over you like it was supper, you know what I mean? <laughs> they did not care at that club. So, it went so good. The owner of that club, my second night, said, I'm gonna open up for the Waynes brothers, it was Marlon and Sean were the first celebrities or whatever to put me on stage my second night of doing comedy. And it went well. Huh? Nice. That's crazy. That's a crazy story. Yeah, so it kind of took off. But I remember they say, get off at the light. I didn't know what a light was because it was only my second time. Right. I stayed up there for 15 minutes. And my second time ever doing stand-up, I stayed up there for 15 minutes at their show. <laughs> it was. I'm Luckily, I knew them. So they were nice about it, but uh, it, was, it was a funny moment, man. So they were the first people to put me on. How'd you get started in comedy since you were a teacher? Were you doing comedy and teaching? I was doing comedy and teaching. My, my, I got a crazy story how I got started. So when I got started, uh, my first comedy show I ever saw was the Kings of Comedy. Oh. I didn't even know, like, you can do comedy, like, all the time, like, weekly. I thought you just did comedy on TV. So um, that was said, every time I saw a comedian do a comedy on TV, they would do a different set. Mm. So I didn't know nothing about comedy. First show I go to, I didn't even know it was comedy clubs. I didn't know that was a thing. I thought Kings of Comedy, I seen these guys on TV. I'm going to go see them. Seen said host Comic View and Steve Harvey show. So I'm going to, me and my boy, we get some tickets. We go down there. We watching the show. This was the first run where DL wasn't on there yet. Said came out there and killed it. Bernie killed it. Then Steve was doing his thing. But the energy wasn't quite the same. But that's at, when that's when Sed was closing the show, right? When they first started? That night, Steve was closing the show. Steve, okay. He was yeah. closing the show when they first started. Yeah. So Steve went up there, and he was doing his thing, but it just wasn't the same energy. And in addition to that, I always look back. I was so much younger then, and Steve was always so mature. So with that being said, me and my friend kind of zoned out a little bit. Yeah, I got you. It wasn't, we couldn't relate to some of the stuff he was talking about. Yeah. And Bernie was just funny because Bernie's voice is said was yeah. kind of young, cool uncle. Yeah. You know? So anyway, Steve goes up there, you know, so we start talking to each other. He was like, man, you was funny as him. I was like, dude, you tripping, man. That's Steve Harvey. He's like, man, you you should try it. I was like, hell no. Nah. So he's like, Steve's still performing. He's like, man, I think I'm going to go to the military. We just out here. We ain't doing nothing with our lives. I think I'm gonna join the military. I'm gonna try to play football for the military. I'm like, what? He was like, yeah. <laughs> I said, well, dude, if you if you do that, I'll try it. And he retires from the military, I think in like 11 months, 22, 22 years. Wow. Yeah. So he really did it. He really I, did it. And I really did it. Mind you, and I'm glad you know the Miami thing. So I don't know anything about comedy. The only thing I know is Marvin Dixon's on the radio. Oh my goodness. I hear, I hear he's a comedian. Yes. So here's me, 21 years old or something like that. I go off, this one they moved to uh, off 95. Yes. I know what you're talking about. I'm, I go to the radio station 
I wait outside the gate for Marvin. He comes out. I, I'm like this. And he's like, the fuck, who's this kid? Yeah. He comes up, I was like, hey, man, I know you Marvin Dixon, man. I think you're so funny. I want to do comedy. I don't know how to go about it. How do I start? He was like, all right, well, there's this club called the Improv going out there on Monday nights. Remember the Monday nights? Yes. We do the open mic. So I said, okay, bet. So I go twice. I just watch. I'm just like, ooh, nah, I can't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the third time I go, I put my name down, psyching myself. I was like, well, if they pick me, if they don't pick me, oh, well, it ain't my fault. I tried. They pick me. I'm like, fuck. I don't have no joke. Because <laughs> I don't know you're supposed to have jokes. I thought every time you did comedy, you just talked and then that was it. And you moved <laughs> on. I, I go up there, I do five minutes, kill. Oh, no okay. Yes. Just talking, just being myself. Mm -hmm. So I go, it goes well. I go back again next week and I'm seeing some of the open mic is doing the same thing. I'm just like, you did that last week though. Yeah. I, yeah. I was like, why are you doing the same thing? It's like, I'm working on my set. I was like, wait, you could do jokes again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's when I start like learning to write jokes and have a set. Then about three months later, Marvin calls my house. He's like, yo, man, what's up? I've been hearing about you. I want you to come do the 1030 show. Remember the 1030 show on Tuesday? Oh my goodness. Yes, I do. Bruh, so you, you will get booed off so quick if you're not good. I used to get booked for both shows, 8 and 1030. Yes. So I want you to do the Tuesday. I want you to feature. I'm like, Tuesday, the, the 8 o'clock show, I'm like, bet, I'm ready. But yeah. I was like, oh my God, I got to use the bathroom all day. Yeah. So I go to the club, go to the improv, introduce myself. And Marv was like, wait, you the little dude that came to the radio station? I was like, yeah. He was like, hell no. Nah. He didn't even know it was me. It yeah. Was, he was saying there's this new cat around. So I end up doing that night. It went well. And me and him been tight ever since. That's how I started comedy. I never knew I wanted to be a comedian. So when, because every comic, some comics have that story. Because just like you, I did well at, uh, you know, first couple of shows. Do you remember that show where you thought, oh, this is I, this is easy, and then you had a tough show? Did that ever happen? Yeah, and it, it's the crazy thing. It was my fault, though. I'm I'm in college. I'm doing a show at my college that I'm still currently attending. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing comedy maybe a year now. Maybe mm -hmm. I'm I'm popping. People knowing me now. And I'm doing my show at college. It's going okay. And for some reason, I just started like trying to mess with this one dude in the audience. That dude roasted my ass. Like, oh, he, he, oh I was you know, he, like, he just stole the show from me. You picked the wrong person, huh? I picked the wrong damn person, man. And it was like that dude, he 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 handed it to me, man. I was just like, well, I, you know, so yeah, that was that that's one show I remember like. Yeah, that didn't go so well. All right, Marvin Dixon, what year did you uh, start then in Miami? 2000. Oh, 2000. All right. So were you heavy in it ever since you started? You never stopped? I never stopped ever since. But I did have a teaching job because I started when I was still in college. So I was going to college. And okay. I went to college late. After I graduated, I didn't go to college until like five years later. And I realized I probably should do something about it. <laughs> This comedy don't pay too much money when you first start. Well, I was going to college and doing comedy, and then I end up graduating. So I'm doing comedy just locally. It ain't like I'm depending on it. I end up getting a teaching job. And then right when I get my teaching job, a few months later, I end up being on a show with DL, and now he wants me to go on the road with him. Ooh. I'm trying to balance both out, you know, but, you know, DL works every weekend. Yeah. Now I'm running out of sick days, and 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 so I take mm -hmm. an absence, so I could still keep my benefits. So I was able to take a leave of absence from like spring break all the way to the end of the summer. Then they was like, "Yo, you coming back?" And I had to make a decision. I was like, "No, nah, I'm not coming back." I took a leap of faith, and that was it. Dude, that's great. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's an amazing story. Like you know, one thing about stand up is once you know you got it. Like right. you know, you you can make a career of it, and you funny, right? It there's nothing like it, man. I tell everybody they should try it once because it's it's such an out of body experience. And what I mean by saying that, 
you could be saying your set out loud, thinking about something totally different, hearing yeah. people talk. Like you could hear a waitress say, would you like fries with that? Mm -hmm. You know, and you're noticing things in the audience. You become a superhero. Like, you become it, like That's a, what I'm saying. Yeah. It's almost like you're standing outside of yourself and you, although I've never experienced that many sensors up at one time, but you're fully comprehending everything. And this is all while you're saying your act. Yeah. This is not like you stopping. This is you doing it and all that's going on. You become a Navy SEAL out of nowhere. You do, man. It's it's such an amazing and when you crush, you feel like a gladiator in there, man. Yeah, it's it's a and that's the thing when 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 I seen Sid come out and he was coming out to that mystical boom doom. Yeah, and I was just like, God, I and to this day, I'm still chasing that feeling to see like sixteen thousand people stand up and going crazy. He didn't even say a thing yet. Yeah. I, I was like, yo, I he was just back in the car, and that's all he was doing. He was just coming out like this is intro, and then people yeah. just I'm like, I want that feeling, and I'm still chasing that feeling. I still yeah. haven't got it yet. Oh know? no, I'm chasing it too. I'm chasing yeah. it too. Uh yeah. so how long did you stay in Miami till you said I'm gonna try for LA? Or do you still live in Miami? No, I live here. Uh I live yeah. in LA. Uh the Miami, I was in LA. I was going back and forth to LA because I was, you know, in Miami. And I left Miami, still going back and forth. I I, I didn't really. But, but what were you going back and forth for? So comedy? Just comedy. And then what happened is in 2009, no, 2011, Cedric got this TV show on TV Land. And he hit me up. He was like, yo, man, I got this TV show. I think you should, you, you'd be good in the writer's room. Hey, hang on one second. So from DL, touring with him, you met Cedric? So exactly, okay. I'm, okay. I'm doing a show with DL in Cleveland. Cedric's doing some kind of benefit for LeBron. So he stops by to say hi to DL. I happen to be on stage. He sees me, he watches. He's like, yo, this cat is funny. Like, who's this dude? And DL's like, yeah, it's my opener, man. It's my new guy, blah, blah, blah. So me and him exchange. He comes to Miami like a few months later. So I go to see him and say, what's up? And he's like, oh, what's up, man? You know, so we speak. And, you know, I gave him a couple, I gave him like two jokes. I was like, hey, you know, I think this would be funny for you. He did them. He was like, yo, that was that was dope, man. And like, yeah. So fast forward another like six months later, he calls me. He's like, yo, I'm doing these shows. If you ain't doing that, I want you to come out and open. I'm like, hell yeah. Yeah. So then I start going out with him. And then when he got the TV show, that's when he was just like, I think you'll be good in the writer's room. You'll be able to capture my voice. And I was like, writer's room? I don't know jack about writing. I don't know nothing, dude. I'm yeah. like, I was like, no, nah, I don't want no writing job. I don't want no job. I'm a comedian. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then he was like, well, it pays this. I was like, well, I mean, I can try it out. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that's how I got into the writing thing. So. You know? So, because, you know, I got a couple of projects and people saying, you know, with stand-up, you know your voice. And if a TV show is around you, right. you know, like said knows you know his voice. Right. So he wants people, like, how tough is that transition to a writer's room? Because I'm thinking about that transition myself, but it's kind of like, I just love performing. I'm doing really well on the road. And, yeah. but I also know that's a, that's a skill that, you know, probably as a comedian, you should at least know how to do it, you know? Right. Well, it was so much, at, the, at that point, I got two kids, I'm living in Miami, I'm just, I'm opening for people, and it's cool. Yeah. But the thing was, I won, I was like, when somebody like Cedric calls you with that opportunity, you-, you, you Don't say you, no. You basically can't say no. Yeah. But that's one. Then two, I was thinking like, okay, well, this would be steady income, good income that I never seen before. Health insurance. I got these two kids. This makes sense. It's not. It's not like I'm getting a good job at a warehouse. I'm still yeah. in business. You know what I'm saying? So I figured like I'm gonna meet people. I'm gonna learn a new skill. This is being just stupid for me not to do it. Yeah. So I went in there, kept my head down, keep kept my ears open. I learned Devon Shepard, who you know very well. 
Love Devon. Was one of my OGs there that he was in the room and he kind of, you know, took me under his wing. And you know what I'm saying? So I just like, I'm a good learner by watching and observing. So I just kind of like picked it up here and there, which I'm still learning, you know what I'm saying? But I know enough, but I was just picking it up here and there, find my spots. Cause at first I would just strictly try to just pitch jokes. Yeah. I was there for it. Yeah. Then as we go on, you learn and you learn. I got more confident to be like, nah, well, you know, and that's how it happened. But yeah, I don't think it ever hurts to have that that tool, especially with somebody like you. If you do become, uh, you know, when you become the star of your own TV show, if you can write, then you also can look and be like, nah, this, nah. you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? So it doesn't, then you're not just sitting here repeating whatever the hell they say. Yeah. No, that's not. Because sometimes, you know, I've had friends with their own show and they go, it wasn't my show. Right. You know, like it, it was other people writing what I wrote. I mean, what right. I, how I talk, but that's not how I talk. Right. And that's when you got to be bold enough to be like, especially if you're number one on the yeah. You got to know, like, I should have some say so. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying I want to just, everything got to be what I want, but if it's, if I'm number one, I'm the one y'all promoting. So I should have, I should be comfortable. Now, now, we know in Hollywood and in comedy, there's a lot of highs and there's a lot of lows. Give me one of your, like, low lows in either, like, you know, being on a right TV now. show. Right now, this is a low? Yeah, we're not working. We're not oh, that, oh, I thought you meant my podcast. I was like, man, no. come on now. You no. wrong for that. Yeah. No, t- well, no, right now is a low, but I'm going to tell you the craziest low. I'm gonna tell yes. You, I'm going to tell you a real low. Tell me the real. And then it, it, it let me know to never question God or whatever happens. Yes. I'm on the Soul Man, the first TV show I told you I was working on, right? Mm-hmm. They have this part. Now, I always, want, I always was clear with them. I was like, hey, I want to be on the show too. I'm a comedian and an actor. They have this part, a small part. And I write the part. I write the scene for that part. I write it. So... They make me audition for it. Mm. I don't get it. <laughs> Jay Phillips gets it. <laughs> How salty were you then? Man, the reason why I wasn't too messed up about it is because it was Jay Phillips, somebody I, yeah. I know, and I was happy for him. Yeah, but you were mad. Let's be not, Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. But what kept me from being like just angry and so mad about it was that it was Jay Phillips. So I was like, all right, well, at least at least it's my boy. So you who know? told you the news? Uh, they told me the I think the showrunner or whatever. It was like, oh yeah, they went with somebody else, and I'm just like, <laughs> like I wrote it in my voice. So y'all said <laughs> I think, but fast forward, right? Yeah. <laughs> end up just giving me a role. That role ended up being reoccurring. Look at that. So that's See what there? I'm saying. Like, had I got that one part that he had got, I'd have did the one. And I, that's end it. Up, I end up doing like 15. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So ever since that time, I've like, I don't question anything. I'm like, all right, well, whatever. It, it ain't for me. But yeah. at that moment, yeah, that was that was that was that was pretty low right there, dog. Like it don't Dude, get that, more than that. You know what I'm saying? Like Kevin Hart has the lowest low I've ever heard in the industry, man. Him on stage, ready to be introduced for his own TV yeah. show at ABC, and they didn't tell him. They he flew all his friends out there. He's on stage waiting to go on, and then is told right before he's about to go on. They canceled the show before it even started and had the new cast of the show replacing it right they, there. They end up still doing six or something. They did like six episodes, I think, or something. Like oh, did that. it? Well, I'm going by his book, unless he lied okay. in his book. I don't know. Maybe it was a whole nother show that got canceled then. He said this was his first big chance. Okay. You know, and happened. And it never it never even started. Yeah, that and they happen. had the cast. This was in his book. They had the cast there that replaced him. They walked by him when he of was the on show. stage. Of huh? the other show. Of the other show yes. they went with. 
Yes. And they never told him. Yeah, that gotta hurt. That Man, gotta hurt. I can't I can't think of I can't think of anything lower. But then he goes in his book, you know, because he's always motivated. He goes, I give it a second, be sad about it, and then brush it off. And they, because there's nothing you can do. And that's how I was with the Jay Phillips thing. Again, like I said, and I'm glad it was Jay Phillips because then it kind of took some of the sting off. But it was just like, well, I, I'm going to be real, real mad because I still got to go to work here tomorrow. Yeah. I still got 20 more weeks of work with these people. So it was just kind of like, I'm glad I never displayed that because I think that's what made them be like, all right, give this to Malik. Yeah. You know and when yeah. that other part came up, it was just like he handled that thing with grace and, and class. So give him that. I didn't show out and get mad or stop working and like just sitting there. So, you know what I mean? Soaking. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's what ended up being helping me get that role that ended up being reoccurring. And like I was in multiple episodes, still getting residual checks from that. So uh, that's the Did only you- thing I was. In this business, you're gonna have real lows, but you're gonna have a lot of highs. Okay, what's the biggest high? Uh, the biggest. So far, high. I know there's gonna be many more. That's you know, bigger, but really, right now, I think the biggest high was the first TV show I sold two years ago in the room. Like they, like we want it. It was no oh, well, let's think about yeah. it. That was crazy. You know what I'm saying? That was a huge high. And the second high, I would say, even though it wasn't a money-wise high, but being in a scene with Eddie Murphy. What movie was that? Uh, you People on Netflix. Oh, okay. Now, I mean, it was it was quick, but shit, it it it, it was in it was in all the trailers for the movie. That's the part they use for all the trailers. Oh, That's all you need. You know what I'm saying? So it was me and Eddie going back and forth, and all every even on a Tonight Show they used that. So that was pretty, that was, I was like. So so, were there, like when they first said action, was there any nerves because you were across from Eddie Murphy? You know what? Not really, not really. I think at that point I was just kind of like, the part was so small that I don't think I, I was like, yeah, whatever, you know? And it was Kenya Burris, I know Kenya, it was Anthony Anderson, I know Anthony. Yeah. So it felt familiar. Had I just been there with Eddie and I ain't know nobody else, probably be like, oh shit, you know what I mean? But yeah, was there, so it was. It felt like I, right, I'm, I'm okay, you know what I mean? So, you know, I was on this show on Apple, uh, probably like a couple years ago, and it was my first big gig I got. I was like a, um, a regular role on that show, and I remember my first scene, and I thought I was gonna be so nervous, but I don't know if it's because we do stand up. Right. It was nothing. Like, it, it's literally, I, you know, I pictured, oh, when they say action, I hope I do. But it's kind of like, oh, you just do it. Because yeah. I think stand-up has trained us, like, oh, nothing's hard. This is the, yeah. you doing the hardest thing. Everything else is easy. And especially, I think, it, it's a movie, so it's not it's not a multicam. Now, yeah. I think if I go on, let's say you had a multicam show and I came in and did a guest star, I think I would be a little nervous because, that's almost like performing live, but he's not yeah. my words. You know what I'm saying? I so got you. I'm like, uh, I, I, this shit is really funny for real. Yeah, right. <laughs> but when you're doing like a movie or you're doing a single cam, ain't no laughter any goddamn way. So you're just kind of like, all right, well, whatever, let's go. Let's just it's it. all, then those are all about the edit. Right. Honestly. Right. But I tell everybody, I, I, I tell everybody, know the editor. Find yeah. out who that editor is, because they can make you look, they can make you win awards, or they can make you not ever get employed again. Right. But to go on a multicam show and being a new guy on set, all these people know each other. They're in season three. You know what I'm saying? They got inside jokes, and here you are, like, you're like, oh, shit, I got to hit this joke. You know what I mean? And of course, the writers never think they joke ain't funny. Oh, yeah. It's you if it ain't funny. Exactly. You know what I mean? So I think a multicam would make me a little more nervous than doing like a movie or a single cam show. Yeah. yeah. So, so I mean, what season, are y'all season seven of The Neighborhood? Six, when we go six. back. Yeah. When you go back six, man. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty amazing. Cause I remember I was at CBS when that show launched. I worked for CBS. Yeah. Uh, I was on the lot and the show's so funny and, uh, Man, it, it's great to see that type of show work. 
right. on television and people still come around for it because I feel like, you know, even the, even the networks are get everything's getting just like more segregated, more seg just ripped apart and comedy's not comedy's not selling like it used to be on TV. You know what I mean? So it's hard to have a comedy that's successful. I feel like it's the thing is, man, I think some things aren't broken. They just making up problems that don't exist. Like who the hell doesn't want a comedy? I know, but the movies aren't working anymore. They're not good. Yeah, I know. Some of them are not good. That's the thing. Like, and I think it starts from the top two. A lot of these executives are not good. Yeah. Or you know funny. Or know what funny is. Yeah. So if you don't have good executives, you're usually going to have a shitty product. I don't care who you put in the movie. Yeah. I don't care who you put on the TV show. If the executives are trash, it's going to reflect. You know what I mean? So a lot mm -hmm. of I think I think a lot of times shows get canceled and movies don't do well, and only the actors and the writers get the blame. But it, that's not necessarily true, because I guarantee you the version you saw is not the version them people turned in. No, no, not at all. Not you know what I mean? So yeah, I but, think this is one thing I noticed from being in writers' rooms and different. But there's so much overthinking. Yeah, right. Is if it's funny, it's funny. But there's like, well, how's this person going to take it? How's this person going to take it? Is it can the network be behind this? You know, it's and this is not even controversial stuff. Right. And you know, then, everything is so like I love one of my favorite sitcoms ever. Well, for the Jeffersons and uh, All in the Family right? right back in the day, like they just talk like real people talk back then. Right. You know what I mean? And there was to me, it seemed there was no like, well, should this person say that? No, they were just, this is what they say. They're going to say it, you know? What, what's, what's amazing to me is that you look at Fox News. Yeah. And the crazy stuff they say, and they still have advertisers. Yeah. Racist thing, misogynistic stuff they yep. say. But God forbid you say a joke on a sitcom. Oh, no. I'm like, wait a minute, but... Pepsi advertising on Fox News and what I'm confused. You know what? You know what's interesting? And I had a conversation with Mike Yard and John Lasser on this. They're from the Comedy Cellar in New York. Legendary guys. And I was like, you know what's funny today? People her hold comedians' words higher than politicians. Than the president. Than the president. And I think it's because. It comes from so much truth, right. whether you like it or not. And I think people are just now know politics are just BS, right? But when a comedian says something, I, I, I have a few jokes that a couple people got mad about, and I'm the most family-friendly guy in the world. But it was from my mom's point of view that a lot of people don't agree with. But all the Asians are like, yeah, this is how we think. Right. But it offended a couple of people. You know, so it's kind of like, like, but, but like, Dave Chappelle, Bill Burr, well, like Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock, Bill Burr, um, other comedians, their words are held to such a high standard that I think people forget it's comedy. Like they actually think we're telling 100% truth and this right. is what we really think and not searching for a joke at all. No. It's, it's a very weird process. I think it's also more accessible. Yeah. And I think it, it, it's because, yeah, we are... We're more, we're closer to them than Trump will ever be. Yeah. They feel or like they reach, or anybody. They feel like they could reach out to you and do something to you and bring you back down because you they don't look at them people as being even well, he's too far. Yeah. Yeah. They know what to do about that. But oh, I can I can get your ass to humble himself and bring him back down. He over there living good doing TV shows. And it's almost like it's like it's like a hatred, and it's just like, you know. The offended thing to me is just like, at the end of the day, what I realize is it ain't a good joke if somebody not offended. Right? Somebody got, like... Somebody has to be mad. If it's that, if it's a good joke, somebody's not laughing. Yes, because it's about them. It has to hit somebody. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, tra comedy's tragedy. Nobody laughs at the person walking down the street that didn't slip. Yeah. Like there has to be a victim. Is that what you saying? <laughs> what am I laughing at? Nothing happened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's why that's why, like, you look at the, the Dave Chappelle's, 
Chris Rocks and, and Bill Burrs and, and Kevin Hart. Yeah, those Kevin Hart. Those to me, those comedians to me, I, I I respect them even more because it's like they're so rich and so far gone and they still find humor. Because we all know it's easy to write jokes when your life is fucked up. Yeah, yeah. I have comedians that actually go out and they don't look for trouble, but they like to put themselves in circumstances where something fun can happen. Right. You know, that's either like going out really late at night with some random people they don't know just to find stories. You know, right. like it's like comedians are always searching for that next story, you know, to tell that's on stage. True. Somebody like Kevin to still be funny is like, dude, that means that dude really works hard at it. And that means he's really talented because when you're that famous and that rich, you don't have to be funny no more. No, no. You know I mean? And he's he could sell out, he could sell out an arena right now and not be funny. But he's still funny. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's just like, even with me, I'm not rich, but I realized at one point I'd be like, I don't know if I could keep doing these gas so high jokes. Yeah. You know, it's because it's like, is it really true? Yeah. Or am I just doing it because it's a funny idea? No, I got you. I got you. I got you. So, so like, what is the ultimate goal for you, Malik? Is it, is it the Kevin Hart path where you're selling out stadiums? You're, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And do whatever. Yeah. I want it all. I'm not one of them Me people too. that are like, well, I'm cool. Nope. No. All of it. All of it. Me too. Box office, arenas, movies, all of it. I want it all. I want it all. The the guy that brought me in 13, 12 years ago in the comedy was Joe Coy. He was my mentor. And now yeah. he's selling out stadiums. Yeah. It's so crazy to see, to travel with a guy that was barely selling out clubs. Yeah. And now he's selling out stadiums. Like, I was there for that whole thing. Right. You know what I mean? So you and know it could happen. You know it could happen. You, you saw it happen. You know, you know. You you do, and I think that's what you know. What when people say you gotta you gotta be in L.A. for it to happen, that's because all the business happens there. But I think it's bigger than that. I think because you see people in real life that are making it happen, and then yeah. you see they're no different than you. Yeah. Because when you live far away, I remember I lived in Miami, did my radio show. American Idol was the biggest radio show on. I mean, TV show. Ryan Seacrest. I was like, there's no way I can host be a host like Ryan Seacrest, right? Right. I moved to LA, worked for E. He works right now. My radio studio is next to his. He walked by every morning and go, what's up, yo? I was like, oh, that's that dude. Right. I, there's no, you know, and it makes, a, I think it makes people that live outside the bubble, once they get in, they're like, oh, I see, this is happening all around me. I just need right. to work on my craft and be in the right spots. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to tell you one, like, because my two mentors is, I got three. I say Marvin Dixon, DL, and Cedric. But Cedric and DL were already stars when I met them. Yeah. Uh huh. One person that I'm watching this thing happen, which is one of my best friends in the game right now, and I'm watching him. Like I said, oh, this dude is about because he's about to go to theater soon. Ali Sadiq. I'm watching. I love him. Ali. He's from I'm Houston. Like him. Yeah. I'm watching him just be like, oh, because I've done road weekends with him now, adding two shows. I'm just yeah. like, wow. Yeah. Like, okay, like, that's my boy. I was just like, that's crazy. How'd you meet Ali? Me and Ali met back in the day in Miami. He came and did the, the, the Monday, Tuesday nights. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, you know, that's my thing. I never had a crew I came up with, and that's what I miss about comedy. Right. I never had, because I was on TV already. I went backwards. Right. You know, I was on, like, CBS. I did, like, hosting stuff. And right. then started comedy. I was on Chelsea lately, started comedy. So I never had a fraternity that right. I came up in. And that's what I respect about, like, you got, you had tons of stories with comedians. I have five stories with five different comedians. You know, I have, I have five close comedian friends. Right. But the rest, I didn't have that. Oh, we did open mics. We did this. We did, I, I don't have that. And no, I missed that, you know? I, I, I actually don't have it as much as you think, though. Like, okay. To this day, a lot of comedians don't know me and I don't know a lot of the comedians because I never really worked, went in the trenches like that. The rooms, you know, doing all of ours. Yeah. Because what happened was... Like, oh, you got picked up by DL and Seth? I got picked up by DL like... You were good. Two, three years in. So now I'm just in these comedy clubs with only DL. So I don't get to meet yeah. all the other comedians because Friday through Monday, I'm gone. So you kind of like me then. 
yeah. you didn't go up. Yeah, you went a different route too. You got lucky yeah. and they loved your comedy. But yeah, yeah Ali, Ali uh, he's from Houston. Mo Amir's from Houston. I'm from Houston. So yeah. it's kind of like I'm starting to move in the theaters as well. And it's yeah. such a crazy thing to see. But I'm shooting my, I'm funding my own documentary. I've funded my own special that got me to that next level. But I got the whole idea from Joe Coy because it's so cool to see a person go, why? Because he had a lot of people open up for him that blew up right after, like right before him. Right. You know, years before he did. Right. And they were his openers. Right. And I remember I go, he goes, what are you doing wrong? And I go, I think you need to change management. Because you're what he's, if you see him, like he's one of the funniest live comedians you ever see. Yeah. I'm like, he changes management, management. And then just like the Netflix, it's just crazy to be there from beginning to end. I mean, from beginning to where he is now. It, that, and that's what keeps me, keeps me going and keeps me from like, especially right now, falling into a depression. It's just like, I know it's going to happen. It's just a yep. matter of just stay ready. Don't give up. Stay sharp. It, you're going to get, you're going to get that shot. And that's because I've been doing this 23 years now. Yeah. And if you would have asked me 10 years ago, I'd be like, yeah, man, fuck, I'm the biggest shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Here I am still, still even opening. You know, you know, the hard thing is though, is not, you know, comparing yourself to other people that passed you. Right. Because this is a long race, man. You got to be like, I remember I got mad at my agent one day and I go, why is everybody getting Netflix specials that I think aren't funnier than me? Bruh. You know, that I've been at the clubs with, they didn't do well. And I crushed at that same club. Right. And then you and watch I, the special and you and like, watch, and I'm like, it's not special. It's not special. <laughs> and my agent sat me down and in the nicest way it goes, do you know their history with the person at Netflix? Right. I go, no. He says, do maybe they grew up together. Maybe they helped them out in the past, or maybe they're just friends, or maybe they have a great mutual friend, or maybe, or maybe they have some connect we don't even know about. Or don't want to know about. Or don't want to know about, right? Right. And he goes, what you need to worry about is that's not your race. Right. You got to worry about your own lane in your own race yep. because you worrying about everybody else's race. It just distracts you. And I'll never forget. He said that seven years ago and I'm never looked back. I see people blow up still and all that stuff, but I see as long as, I, but I see myself rising too. It's not meteoric. It's not like, whoosh, but right. every year it's steady. Last year I was in La Jolla, sold out one show this year. I just came back, sold out four. Right. You know, Denver. Yeah. Denver, I, last time I was there, sold out 1,200 tickets. This this time going back, doing the theater. So it's yeah. I'm seeing the growth. Yeah, You got to stay in your lane. So don't get frustrated. It happens. Yeah. You, it's, just like, it's just like writing. You get better and better. But it's about exposure. You just got to get exposure, man. You got to get exposure, man. That, yeah, I've been trying to go hard on my Instagram and try to build that up and just try to take things into my own hands instead of like, you know, waiting for somebody to no you can't wait now right. are you are you doing any work in la are you going up anywhere what's your deal you I, go up, I, I mostly go up at the factory a lot but i go up a lot i'm like one of the factory favorites and okay so yeah it, it's, it's good man i'm building and building and building but you know again i i i try to stay positive and try to stay it's a fine line between being humble and confident at the same time because yeah. i used to try to be so humble and i realized like that shit don't work no That's not, we don't live in that climate no more people don't appreciate humble they don't i i see i think they do but i think the humbleness comes from i'm doing my own thing i'm not you know like i'm doing my own thing i'm creating my own path and not right. really worrying about what other people say that's what i got to is i go in and do my set and i bounce right yeah right i'm here to work and do it and it stays, you stay above the riffraff of all the crap talking in the club. Cause the longer you stay in that club, you can say, how do, you could say something wrong. So I've learned that I go in and out, or you could hear something and just be like, yeah. And they go, see, they agree. And now you all up, you know what I mean? One thing I've realized, and for me, and I, maybe it's just how I feel, especially like with, with, cause I know this game is a lot of word of mouth. Yeah. I know this man. The people that feel like you're close to them, 
those are the people that's more likely not gonna help you at all. It's crazy, right? I notice white comics are always like, yo, Malik, you a fucking monster, Malik. I don't want to go after you. Never want a black comic would never say that to me. It's like really? they, people in my like who feel like I'm in their class or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like they would never like give it up like that, or you know, it's kind of like you know, I don't I, know, I, man. I I I don't know, man. I I feel like maybe it's just the people you surround yourself with, but I mean, the people I hang around, like they're always like complimentary of each other, you know. But right. I I understand what you're saying though. You don't you don't really hear that a lot, but I get it. I get it. Yeah. yeah. And I've 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 no by doing a factory a lot, I've noticed like, oh okay, because I don't know if it, and I hate to say maybe it's a cultural thing. I don't know, but. It, it, it's definitely like I get a lot of love from you know, you know. I mean, I get love from comics. Period. I, yeah, I'm not just saying like, it, but it just it's, it feels different. It feels. I got you. It you feels know, real. Yeah, it just feels different. It, yeah, it doesn't feel like. Well, let me just stay on his good side just in case he blow up. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Because it's a lot of that shit happens. Oh, you know? it's, bruh, you know. Bruh. Well, yeah. it's Hollywood. I mean, it, it Hollywood is what Hollywood is. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know what? What's so? You better be nice to everybody on the way up because you yeah. gonna come down, or you don't know who gonna go up. You, that, no, <laughs> that, that person you talk shit to next thing you going to mean they the executive. You like, yeah, God damn, right, right. Well, Malik, if you ever around for if I if check out my calendar, if you ever want to jump on a show, let me know. I would love hey, to have no. you, man. I'm, let me know. We we'll, we'll talk offline. I'll, yeah, we'll talk offline. I'll get your number. I'm not doing anything right now. All right. All right. All right. All right. How can people find you? Let them know. Malik S. Comedy. M-A-L-I-K-S Comedy on everything, man. You know, so holla at me. Uh, you can watch me on Netflix. You can on-demand me on the neighborhood. You know, I write in I'm, and, I, and I have a part on there. So There you go. All right, Malik. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate you, brother.